Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Talk. You're here with Mitchell Gambin. Thank you for joining me again for another week. I'm very excited, as you can hear in my voice, to have you guys back for another week. And I can't wait to get into today's topics. But before that, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening. Make sure you give me feedback on this Sports Talk segment. Make sure you leave a review on Apple, on Spotify, on Instagram. Send us a message. Leave us feedback give us tips on how to be better content that you would love to see not just in the sports talk realm but even in the the gray area the hustler daily what youtube content you'd be interested in uh what instagram content is engaging to you how we can be more engaging what we can do to make it more exciting different clothing items you would like to see us drop like things like that where we're going to take into consideration because ultimately we're listening to you guys you guys are our oxygen you guys are our community and we want to build that upon you nothing else just you guys we're not going to throw out random things that don't click with you guys so if we're doing something that doesn't click tell us if we're doing something that clicks tell us because we ultimately are going to take that in and it's going to be a uh, big decision in how we go go forth so please get engaged on instagram on twitter on facebook on youtube eventually we'll have our first piece of content out there and yeah we just would love to hear from you and love the feedback even if it's not to us just leave a review on itunes on on apple podcast sorry and yeah we'll we'll look at it we'll consider it we'll take it in we'll take it whether it's constructive or positive we don't mind We're, we're open to anything so just wanted to say that before I get started. Now, Sports Talk, episode three. This week it will be NBA content again, just because I feel like that's right in front of me. I can see it. It's an exciting time of the year. The All-Star break is finished, so it's officially we're in the back end of the regular season, and we're getting an idea of how that playoff picture is going to look. We're getting an idea of the players that are going to be there come playoff time. We're getting an idea of who's going to be the big dog, who's you know, going to be an underdog, etc. So that's that's very exciting. I want to talk about that. What I don't want to talk about the NRL this week is just because I don't want to speculate too much on the trials. I think they're very centered around the coaches just trying and testing new things, putting players in that otherwise wouldn't get minutes in an NRL season, putting in young guns, seeing how they perform under pressure. And of course, there's some really, there's some beneficial things to be taken from there. But I don't want to speculate too much on that just because... If I did, I'd be a not, I'm a Knights supporter and I'd be looking at us beating Roosters 58-0 and saying, holy shit, this is our year. But really, I don't want to do that just because I don't want to I don't want to give you guys something I don't know. However, I will if it, if you would like and also just from pure interest, I may do a podcast next week that encapsulates me review, uh, previewing the NRL season just based on pure team sheets who I think has the benefit of the doubt because of some of the players they have based on last season, based on new acquisitions, based on, on, on all these moving pieces that allows us to get an idea of how the NBA will, uh, the NRL will play out. However, I don't want to speculate off trials this week. I'd rather give you close to NRL season content, which is next week, next Tuesday, next Wednesday morning, it'll drop. I'll probably record it on Tuesday afternoon once we have the team sheets in front of us. And that way I can go through it, have a look, talk to you guys about it, get your feedback, and we'll we'll speculate together. But for this week, I want to talk about a lot of NBA content. I'm very excited with what's happening at the moment. Specifically, the one that caught my eye straight away 
was Shake Milton of the 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers. He's bursted onto the scene. Wow. Yes, he has. 13 consecutive threes made. So he did that over a three-game span, I think, against Cleveland, New York, and then Clippers. So it finished after he missed a three against the Clippers yesterday. But 13 consecutive threes made is so hard. And it's that hard that it's an NBA record. So he's tied the NBA record for most consecutive threes made. And surprisingly, Stephen Curry isn't a person he's tying. But he has tied the NBA record with that. And it also leads to a a bigger question, a bigger, um, what's the word, observation, which is how are we going to look at the rest of the the season for the 76ers, given that a player like this, Shake Milton, can come out of nowhere when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are out. That allows the 76ers to have another piece when they come to the playoffs. Obviously, they may. We're still in kind of buyout mode. There could be a player or two added to the Philadelphia 76ers that bolsters their chance. I think if it's anything less than a shooter, then they're going to be in deep water. But if they can find someone from within, like they found Shake Milton, and he can keep up this play consistently, even when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are back, well, then we're looking at a team that can maybe run deep in the playoffs. Prior to what I thought, I think this. Obviously, it's probably my opinion is going to chop and change over the next month and a half because we've got a month and a half of exciting pre-playoff basketball that's going to show us a lot coming into the playoffs. Lakers, Clippers, Milwaukee are still my big dogs. I can't see anyone getting to the playoffs except for those three. So pretty much the Bucks coming out of the East. I think that's a guarantee. Even though uh, Giannis hasn't been there before, he's just looking so good. And I think the way he's playing, the way... He's getting that three-pointer together, which I'm going to talk about a bit later. Is just exciting if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan or just a Giannis fan because it's it's he's becoming what we hoped as Australians Ben Simmons would become. However, Ben Simmons can still become a player like that, but he is becoming Giannis, that player with that scary, respectable three-point shot where uh, they have to respect him. And then he's got that length. He's so tall. He's so tall, so long in terms of his wingspan. And he's so athletic that it's just so fucking scary. Like, I can't even... I, I can't even, like, take it in how fucking scary he is because he's going to be good come playoff time. I think that's when he is built... Well, that's what he's built for, is that playoff mode. Regular season's nothing to Giannis. But I'm going to touch on that soon. What I do want to talk about after, so Shake Milton, is Seth Curry. He's playing like Steph. <laughs> like, he's literally playing like Steph. That's, um, what, I, what I base that off is his last kind of three games that we've seen. And he's, he's always been a consistent player, hence why he's always wanted on a team. He's a very good shooter, very good three-point shooter, someone you respect as a three-point shooter. However, I think with Mavs, Luka Doncic has been in and out since the All-Star break. A couple ankle injuries, I think it was, a sprained ankle. So he's been icing that and trying to manage that. And Chris Saps has been in and out as well. Rest, his knees, so, etc. What was I going to say? So Seth has had to step up in in that period of time, which is, again, similar to that 76ers situation. It's very exciting for the Mavs because when your big dogs go down, Listen to me, Mavs. Listen to me, 76ers. When your big dogs go down, you need those players who are going to step up and show that they can be a 
a, a player who can step up when you're not there and a decent role player when you're there. Similar to a Fred, Fred Van Fleet in Toronto last year before he kind of became a consistent starter who could drop 20 to 30 a game, occasional big games in terms of points, uh, steals, rebounds, assists, etc. Those players that can just get you over the line because you're not going to do it with two stars. You're going to do it with two stars and a supporting cast. And I think Seth Curry... The sample size we've got from the last three games, which is 65% shooting from the threes. He recently dropped 27 points against the Timberwolves, and he also hit eight from nine three-pointers in a 37-point outing against Miami Heat. They lost that one, but I think they were short-handed in that. No Luca or no Chris Epps. It was one or the other. And he, he, he put up a fight against one of the best defensive teams. He put up 100... Mavs put up 118 points in that game against Miami, which is no easy feat because they're a very good defensive team, especially with Jimmy Butler anchoring that defense. You, it's not often you put 118 to 125 on on the Miami Heat. So I think if Seth Curry can keep up that level of play, it doesn't have to be 37-27 a game. It can be something like a 16-25, to 16-30. Like I'm talking 16 regularly, and then if he can blow out for a 30-point game when he's hitting those three-pointers and take that pressure off Doncic and Pazingas and make them respect that three and give the defense a, uh, the the alertness to have to deal with Seth Curry, then Luka Doncic and Kristaps Pazingas just get a whole lot better. So that's going to be exciting watching over the next month and a half before the playoffs because the Mavs are most likely, they'd have to implode not to make it to the playoffs. So it's going to be very exciting to see the way they come together as a group and we get an idea of their pieces and what they're going to have coming into the playoffs because right now it is still unknown territory for some teams. We don't know how their supporting cast are going to go other than their stars. So getting an idea of that come playoff time is going to be one of the most exciting parts of, of the next month and a half because it's it's hard to get to that end of the regular season. The, the players are, are, are pushing it out. I guess the, the, um, the enticement for teams to go hard is that that home record, so like Bucks, I think they're sweet. They're not gonna really get caught down. But you've got like teams like your Toronto, like your Boston, like Miami, like Seventy Sixers, who want to try and get up to that number two seed because they want that as much advantage as possible. Especially if you're talking about a Philadelphia Seventy Sixers team, who I think have gone twenty eight and two at home. If they can get a home field advantage, then you're looking at a team who's who's can do some damage, a lot more than I originally thought. And my opinions are going to chop and change. Right now, I still think Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks are the big dogs. However, I think we just have to wait and see. that. There's only so much speculation you can do based on the information you have right now. So that's what I'm going to do, is just taking the information we have at face value, try to anticipate what's going to happen. But if you went back to all the sports talk, you'd probably say he's wrong 95% of the time right 5% of the time, and then there's other times where I could be right 100%. So just basing that off what I see right now, based on my basketball knowledge, which is decent, minimal, but decent. <laughs> nah, I'm just being humble. Um, but the next thing I want to talk about is Zion may be the new kid, but LeBron is still the NBA's best player. Now, you might be thinking, Mitch, you're right, or you might be thinking, Mitch, you're wrong as fuck. However, the the my basis for this argument is that the we've had two Lakers versus New Orleans Pelicans games recently, which is Zion versus LeBron. And what that has given us 
in terms of, of data is that LeBron shows out when he has to verse Zion. He knows all the comparisons have been Zion is the next LeBron. Zion's this, Zion's that. Zion's a new kid on the block. And I think there's a chip on LeBron's shoulder, even though he's very humble and very excited. And I think that's a genuine excitedness for these players coming through, especially Zion. I think he also wants to show, as long as I'm in this league, you ain't getting shit. And I think that's a that's that's that what we want to see in Bron. I don't think he's had that pressure on him for a couple of years. Even though Steph and and the and the Warriors were were blowing up, I don't think they were compared to him. They were a whole different game. Very shooting heavy, very small ball heavy. Whereas LeBron's very dominant. Hits a three, hits hits his shots, but he he it was a different game. Whereas Zion is almost like uh, a LeBron coming out of high school. So. I think LeBron takes that personally, even though he won't admit it to the world. I think he does take it personally and wants to show that he's still the big kid on the block. And at the moment, I think he's succeeding. Let's go through the last couple games. So Lakers beat New Orleans 122 to 114 yesterday, so Monday our time in Australia. LeBron specifically had 34 points, 12 rebounds, and 13 assists. So he dropped a triple-double against Zion. I, th- I say Zion, not the Pelicans, because I think he was going at those those the, uh, Zion. I think he, he had a point to prove. He wanted to show he wasn't done yet, and I think he succeeded. Like, based on what we're seeing, he succeeded because he showed Zion and the rest of the NBA landscape that... I'm not going down anytime soon. I'm still LeBron James, so you're going to respect me. I think that's what he goes in with it. That's how he goes in with it, sorry. Um, And what else? So last Wednesday is when they played as well, and Bron had 40 points. So more to my point, I think he shows out. I'm pretty sure that was a season high for him this year. I I haven't seen him that energized for a long time. Just so, in especially in regular season, I'm not talking playoff, Bron. He just, I think there's that chip on his shoulder to to show everyone like Zion. You may be the new kid, but I'm I'm still I'm still a championship threat. I still want to get those championships. So, and both wins for Lakers, so that that adds to it. It wasn't just a Bron. He wasn't just individually performing. He played so well that he allowed his other other team uh, members to to pick up their game and beat New Orleans, who are actually on a tear and going quite well since Zion has come back. Zion, though, in both those games, so yesterday he had 35 points. So in the game where LeBron had a triple-double, he had 35 points, which is his career high at this point. And it's also amazing because he's still a teenager and he's dropping points like they're nothing. Um, And then you've got 29 points last Wednesday. So he's dropped two very good stat lines, and I think it's the same thing for Zion. Zion's the opposite end of the spectrum, which is you may be the NBA's man. You may be the renowned best player, potential GOAT, but I'm the new kid, and I'm here to make my mark. So I don't think he has yet. I think he's definitely, definitely got himself on LeBron's radar. I think it takes a lot for LeBron to kind of look at you and go, yeah, i gotta, I got to... I got to play well against you because I want to shut people up. I want to. I want to prove myself. There's not many people LeBron proves himself for, and I think he's proving that he doesn't want any of this, any of this slander against his name in terms of Zion being the new kid who's going to take over and be better than LeBron. I don't think LeBron's playing any of that. Yeah. So finishing on that point, LeBron definitely made a point to to show Zion and show the league that when you put a spark under him, he doesn't fuck around. 
And I like to see that from Brom because it's almost like Michael Jordan um, in the regular season. Like you can't really excite him. You've got to talk shit to him to excite him and get under his belt. And when you do, I feel sorry for you. But yeah, it's good. It's good to see that. You want to see that, and hopefully New Orleans are competitive over the next couple of years while we still get get the end of LeBron's career. And I can't see LeBron slowing down anytime soon. Of course, Father Time always catches up. But it will be exciting to see um, if if Zion and the Pelicans become a respective team, a respectable team, sorry, and they grow and become a presence in the playoffs. It'll be exciting to see a seven-game series, LeBron and Zion going at it, because I think we'll see playoff Bron mixed with prove yourself Bron, and that's something that we haven't seen in a long time. And I'm very excited if that does happen. Maybe it'll happen this year. You never know. New Orleans could slide into that eighth spot if they keep performing. However, if it doesn't, I hope it does before Bron is out of the league. Still on Zion, not so much Bron this time. Zion and Ja Morant are both... Zion coming back, the only reason I think it's so tight is because Zion came back so late from from the injury that kept him out for most of the, the first half of the season. So Zion is making it hard still. And that shows you how well he's playing, that he can come back and still be a Rookie of the Year candidate. I think it's him and Ja Morant, the number two, the two top ones. RJ Barrett, um, Tyler Harrow, Kendrick Nunn, both of the Miami Heat, they've, they've put together good uh, performances this year. I think Tyler Harrow has been injured, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Kendrick Nunn's been a consistent performer, consistent scorer for Miami Heat. RJ Barrett's... He he's raw. He's gonna grow. I haven't haven't watched too much of him, but I think his son is gonna be a, a good role player, maybe a star eventually. New York would hope. But I think Zion and Ja are just a a field above these these two players. The reason I say that is because when you look at the stats, and I know stats aren't everything, but stats can paint a picture. Zion as a teenager over. The start of his NBA career is averaging 24.1 points per game and 6.8 rebounds per game. And I've never seen someone who can make a highlight reel from a rebound. Zion Williamson has that much athleticism that there are highlights going around on Bleacher Report. Even we've shared a couple, uh, Center, ESPN, all those basketball outlets are sharing a rebound that Zion pulls down. So... In terms of athleticism, he is amazing. I'm scared about his weight to go with that athleticism just because I've seen it before. We've all seen it. I think Shaq was probably the heaviest player to play, to not have an injury ruined by careers. Uh, Injury ruined by career. I just bloody went reverse on you. I mean, a career ruined by injuries. So I think in that regard... You know, it's it's something that that needs to be monitored, and I'm sure with the best uh, medical staff in the world, like these NBA players are seeing the best medical staff in their country in the world. I think it'll be monitored, and New Orleans are aware of it, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I hope I hope he has a good 20 year career where for 18 to 19 of those he's playing at the top of his level. Because if Bron's going to retire, we need some excitement. And it does look like from this rookie class, we've got two more excitement pieces. So I was talking earlier about Zion scoring like 35 points, 29 points last Wednesday, both against the Lakers. It's interesting 
to note that because he's actually the first teenager in NBA history with 10 straight 20-point games. LeBron didn't do it. Um, who else was a good teenager? I guess Kevin Garnett didn't do it. Al Jefferson didn't do it. All these young players, I don't know if D-Wade came in as a... No, I think he went to college. There's a couple other players I'm missing that were that, that came out of, straight out of high school. I think Gerald Green, he wasn't too much of a scorer, though. He was more flashy and had to get his game together. But, yeah, those big players like your, your LeBron, your Kevin Garnett, those, those players who actually made a... who are Hall of Famers, never, have never done that when they were teenagers in, in the league. So that is something to be noted. Uh, a lot of those points are coming from, say, offensive rebounds or just straight like alley-oops where he just overpowers the defender, where he's just too strong to even be contained. But he's also getting a decent uh, jump, a decent three-point shot going. I think he hit like three or four in a row in his in his debut since then he was a bit quiet, but he, he has been attempting them, which is a good sign. Someone with his athleticism, if they can have a respectable shot, similar to that Giannis point I was making earlier, if they can have a respectable shot, then you're looking at a player who has to be respected both on the outside, which means a defense is going to have to force up on them. And then he can use that to his advantage and, and go to work in the paint. He's easily, as if you give him a bit of room, he's going to dunk it. So so if he can res- if he can get some consistent respect on that three point line then you're looking at a player who's going to be one of the best ever cuz that that's that's what's held the great to become the from becoming the greatest is that shooting even lebron to an extent like he's a great shooter especially compared to when he first came in but if he had that sh- if he had that shot down pat then forget about it he's he's the goat um, ja Moron. So this player, Ja Moron, he's a rookie for the Memphis Grizzlies, averaging seven, 17.7 points per game and seven assists per game, which is very very good for a rookie, almost like a, a starting point guard, a, a regular starting point guard numbers. As a rookie, it means that we're probably going to get we're probably going to get more from him as he goes, but. John Morant's one of those players where the stats paint a picture, but they don't paint the whole thing. If you watch his highlights, if you watch his games, if you watch the way he leads so young, you'd know that this player is special. He's a really special player. He has extreme athleticism. He's a post, he's a walking poster posterizer. I think players are going to stop testing him in the paint. He's nearly and his his dunks are so good. It's almost like Zion how we're saying about the rebounds. His dunks are so good. That even his missed dunk attempts that he tried when he tried to posterize Kevin Love when he tried to posterize Anthony Davis the other day, he is showing that that part of his game is always going to be there, which is scary but also good. Like scary in the terms of Derrick Rose, all these players who have hurt their knees, ankles because of that athleticism that eventually catches up. Even even uh, Russell Westbrook. I think he set out the 2015 season with ACL injury, and that was just purely from athleticism. It wasn't shooting or anything. So it's scary, and you've always got to be precautionary about that stuff. However, you're not going to say no to someone who can dunk like that, who's so scary around the rim, and who can pass out of those dunks just as easily. There's been... He's had some highlight reel passes already, some Hall of Fame-level passes already as a rookie. So having that... Having that um, ability to score 
to hit your threes, to score in the paint, to dunk over people, but also to pass either in that half-court play, in that in that um, full court play, in that that quick play, out of out of shots, uh, having that ability is very exciting for the Memphis Grizzlies, and it's something that can't be understated as well because it allows it allows the rest of the team to open up and and get those open shots because so much pressure is going to be on Jar, and he can either use that pressure to his advantage and posterize someone, or work his way through and get crafty. Or he can he can make the most of that double triple team that he's going to hit, especially if that help defense comes over. Then he can find a, a shooter on the wing, or he can find one of his big men coming in for a, for an easy dunk. So, as a rookie, to have that much attention on him already is is positive signs for Memphis, a team that's usually a grit and grind, but turning more into a a fast paced, high scoring, exciting team to watch because of Jamarum. I think he does look like a leader. Like I said, his stats speak so much, but his leadership speaks more. And the way, the reason I, I think he he is that leader is because a Memf- he's leading a Memphis team that last year I think was fifteenth in the West, so they weren't that great. Uh, Jaron Jackson led them. They had Marcus Hall for half the year, so they weren't. They were raw in terms of Jaron Jackson and and all the other. All the other players they had around him, but they weren't great. And Jazz take him to an eighth seed, although the eighth seed is probably easier to get in. Easy, sorry, this year compared to other years in the West when it's usually, you know, you can win forty-five games and come eleventh. Um, I think like that takes away from it a bit, but to be up there and not just sitting on the bottom of the of the conference. Is is thanks to Ja Morant just being that leader and sh- leading by action and sh- taking on this team as his own and being Memphis's new guy, having that player to fill in the shoes of Mike Conley and having Jaron Jackson to fill in the shoes of Marcus Sewell, these these guys could be better than them in in ten years, and they could lead Memphis to bigger and better things than than Conley and Gasol ever could, even though they did very very respectable. Uh, with the team, I think the way the NBA is nowadays, we could see a Jamaron and Jaron Jackson championship photo in the next five to ten years. Who knows? Especially if they can add some pieces around them. Now, I just want to finish on Giannis Antetokounmpo because he scares the fucking daylights out of me. I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, so I don't have anything to worry about come playoff time because we're making shit. Even though we're in the push... I don't think we have what it takes to make it this year. Um, but it scares me just from an NBA standpoint. He's so athletic. He's so strong. He makes it look so easy getting to the rim and just dunking it over players who... He makes seven-footers look small. Like when he when he jumps and he reaches those arms out, he makes people look small. He makes them look weak. He There's no one who can stop him if he's on his day. Case in point for that, he had his first 40-point, 20-rebound against the Hornets yesterday. Uh, that was uh, in a game. He had 40 points and 20 rebounds. And that was the first buck, Milwaukee buck to do that since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in like 1974. So seeing him put up 40 points and also have 20 rebounds to go along with that, and he is averaging, I think, anywhere between 11.5 to 
14 rebounds, somewhere in that realm. So having a player who can do that for you, who's as agile as a point guard, as tall and long as a center, and as crafty as a, a small forward, well, it's just impossible to stop. So that's why I think the Bucks are going to be so good come playoff time because Giannis is another year, has another year under his belt. He's got a respectable supporting cast. You know, you've got your Chris Middleton, you've got um, Pat Connaughton, you've got Brooke Lopez. Um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of their point guard, but right, Eric Bledsoe, former Phoenix Sun. So he's a very good defender, decent shooter, good player on the offense, a good player to have around Giannis just because he's so gritty and he can take some of that defensive pressure off Giannis. Uh, so Giannis can thrive offensively. However, Giannis is still a, a, a defensive year, a de- defensive player of the year candidate. That's just how good he is. He's got such an overall game. The only thing that is or was, uh, maybe even could say at this point, was lacking is his three-point shot. However, he has started to get his three-point shot together. He's actually shooting 31.7% this year, up from... Up from 25.6 last year so that's a that's a six point jump in a year and if he can do even half of that next year you're looking at a 35% shooter and then if he can if he can stay consistent with that shooting you're looking at a, a player who's going to be shooting around 35 to 38% uh, of his three pointers and I mean making that, that, that amount of three pointers a game and the stat that I like the most and, and is very telling of how confident a player is getting is the attempts per game. He's not making 31% of his one three per game. He's actually making 31.7% of his 4.7 attempts point ga- per game. Now that's up almost two attempts from last year. Cause last year he was shooting 2.8%, uh, 2.8 attempts per game. And so what that tells us is his confidence is through the roof. He's very confident to take those shots. He doesn't worry about a social media meme. He doesn't worry about missing it. He doesn't worry about how many times he's not going to make it or he might air ball or he might put up a stupid shot. Like he's, he's not worrying about that. And that's the sign of a good shooter because he is, he is just shooting and he's starting to make him. 31.7% of the, that amount of threes. Now, that's a player that you've got to respect on the three-point line. To put that in comparison to a player who we regard as one of the best three-point shooters at the moment, Trey Young. Trey Young's shooting 36.3% from three. So if Giannis can even go up 5%, you're looking at a player who's shooting the same amount, the same percentage as one someone we consider one of the best three-point shooters at the moment. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I think the next thing is. And if he can get that consistent around that 35 to 38% mark, he's going to be respectable. I think they've got to respect him this year in the playoffs from the three, which opens up such a big hole for any defense trying to stop Giannis because what they then have to do, same with Zion, if he can get that three-point going, what they have to do is respect him on the three-point line, and what that does is either opens it up for Giannis to just go ham, which he will happily do. If you watch some of his highlights, the way he dunks it, like he, I feel like he could almost lean over from the free-throw line and put it in. Like It's just that, that easy for him. Um, and So what, what I think 
that'll do, especially playoff time where defense is tight. It's hard to get points if you don't have much shooting or you can't open up the paint too much. I think Giannis is going to be unstoppable this playoff series. And that's why I look at Bucks as a shoe-in for coming out of the Eastern Conference into the finals. I don't know about beating the Lakers, but I know they can push them. But even then, like they're, 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 they've won 18 of their last 19 games. So it's, it's absolutely... Like, it's scary and they they've beaten some big dogs in those streaks like they made the Raptors look like a 15th seed like it's just it's so easy for Giannis at the moment and I think that's regular season for you you verse some you verse players who may not be putting their all in case in point LeBron who may not be um, lifting his game up yet just for preservation purposes just to be ready come playoff time however you can't take away from what Giannis is doing He's just—he's making it look so easy, and it's very exciting to watch him do that because it's a walking highlight. Um, it's exciting content, and it's just amazing to watch another human being do that. So that's my thoughts on Giannis. Fucking scary, so scared, but I love watching him. So that pretty much wraps up me for this week. Um, very excited to give you this sports talk. I can't wait for it to drop Wednesday morning. So you can listen to it on the airways. More tune for your head top in the words of Drizzy Drake. Very excited to continue bringing you this format. Very excited to continue bringing you more podcasts. Remember, as I said at the start of the episode, like this. Give us a rating, a genuine rating. Five stars would be nice, but give us a genuine rating. Leave a review if you have the time. It means the world to us. If you do leave a review because you take your time and effort and that's something that we'll never take for granted. And also just, yeah, just give us feedback. Keep, keep engaging on Instagram. And thank you.